Welcome to the On My Own Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Ash. Each week, you can follow me on my journey to become independent and hear amazing interviews with experts on health, productivity, and entrepreneurship. I'm 18 and am passionate about wellness and living a fulfilling life. I'm so excited to bring you along as I struggle, thrive, and learn from experiences I have when I'm on my own. Hi guys, today I'm going to be recording with Marissa of Misfit and Nerdy. I've been watching her channel for forever. I have like all of her programs and they're all really amazing. So I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. She is an MIT grad and now she runs her amazing YouTube channel full time. So welcome Marissa, I'm so excited to have you on. Hello, thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I want to start off this episode by um, just getting an overview of how you first got into health and fitness. So why don't you tell us your story about how you first got into the health and fitness world after graduating or maybe before graduating and how you made that shift? Yeah, so for most of my life, I didn't care about health and fitness. I don't want to say like I didn't hate it. I just it wasn't a thought in my mind, really. Um, and then I went to college and I think I probably gained a smidge of weight because, you know, freshman 15 and all. Um, but I still like, I started going to the gym a little bit, but I didn't know what I was doing again, didn't really care too much. And then one semester I was procrastinating studying for finals. Um, and so I went down the rabbit hole of YouTube and eventually found, um, I don't know how I ended up stumbling across this, but I found Whitney Simmons and other um, women on YouTube who were lifting. And all of a sudden, it opened up a whole new world for me. Um, I had never really considered lifting as a potential form of exercise before. For some reason, it just never crossed my mind, probably because I thought it was just for guys. I don't know, but I saw all these women who were just super badass and confident and doing their thing. And I was like, that looks awesome. I want to give that a try. And so thankfully we had a weightlifting class for PE because we had to take PE in college. Um, And I signed up for the class and I immediately fell in love with it. And retrospectively, I still had no idea what I was doing. Um, But, you know, I was picking up heavy things and putting them down and it felt amazing. Um, And that is kind of what kickstarted my passion for all of this, because it, in a matter of weeks, made me so much more confident in not just my body, but myself. Um, It made me feel empowered and I love that and I I don't want to say became addicted to it but I fell in love with it and I never wanted to stop and it kind of spiraled from there and I started wanting to learn more so I listened to a bunch of podcasts um eventually I decided to get my personal training certification just so I could learn the material um not because I necessarily wanted to be a trainer at the time although I have become a trainer so it has been very useful um but I just I loved it, wanted to learn more, and I'm still, to this day, trying to amass as much knowledge as possible about all of it. Yeah, I so relate with, like, wanting to learn more and more, because once you get into it, it's actually really fun to learn about, and there's so much in health and fitness. It's not just, like, the aesthetic part, 
that everyone thinks it's about but if you really dive deep you have to know anatomy and you have to know mm-hmm. like how the body works and it's really interesting so you said that you first got into lifting because there was a club at your college and you went to MIT which is an amazing school so since this podcast is all about how to be independent and on your own why don't you tell us about your college experience before we go into talking about health and fitness and um yeah, just talk about your MIT experience. But. Just in general or related in to general. fitness? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I mean, I, I love the title of your podcast because I feel like when I was, when I graduated high school, I was, I don't want to call myself a sheltered kid, but I was totally a sheltered kid. I was not super confident in my ability to do things on my own and I was moving literally all the way across the country. I was from California moving to the east coast Um, so I was going to be entirely on my own. I don't think I knew anyone else who was going to be at MIT and so it was a very very new experience for me but I think it's one of the things that helped me grow most as a person because it did force me to do things on my own. It forced me to learn so much about life and just how to live. And it was, I don't know, I loved it. And I'm so glad that I did force myself into that situation. Whereas, because my other option would have been going to a school in California where I would have been a lot closer to my parents. They probably would have visited me almost every single weekend. Um, So it was very different, but um, a very, very valuable experience. And I think it was also different from the normal MIT experience, just because um, I went in to study brain and cognitive science, but ended up having a quarter life crisis and realized that I wanted to go into film production. Ultimately, there was no film production major. So I switched to writing, which Honestly, most people at MIT kind of look down upon the humanities, um, and not a lot of people are not, they don't, they not only don't major in humanities, but they don't like the humanities, and so I was very much on my own, even within um, college, so it was, it was an interesting experience, but I loved every second of it. I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Yeah, that sounds amazing, and I think that a lot of people I've talked to on this podcast who have gone to college already said that it was tough in the beginning, but like looking back on it, they don't regret it at all. And they really appreciate the experiences that came from it. So I think that's a great point is that even if you maybe feel like alone in the beginning, or if you feel like you're struggling now, eventually you'll look back and think, oh, wow, like this was a great experience. I loved every second of it even though maybe you don't in the moment yeah I think it all it all ends up working out because I had no idea what I was doing when I went there and I obviously had no idea what I wanted to do with my life um and just through the process of talking to like-minded people um and using college to explore I was able to find the direction that I wanted to go in um, able to find people that, you know, I loved being around, um, and really kind of discovered who I was and where I wanted to be. Yeah, that sounds basically like what college is really for, I guess. Mm -hmm. And 
yeah, I think it's important to remember the end goal and not get caught up in like trying to get super comfortable, I guess, in a way, right? Mm -hmm. like, if you get too stuck in that, then you miss out on the experiences that come with like putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, like moving away and yeah, doing things like that. But um, I wanted to move back into health and fitness. I, I'm like jumping around here, but um, I know that you've struggled with health issues and I saw in your recent vlogs that you're starting to overcome them. Okay, guys, we are back from that short glitch. <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you, since you've struggled with health issues in the past, and I know from your recent vlogs that you're beginning to overcome them, um, what can people do if they're eating quote unquote healthy, but they still don't feel good and they feel like something's off? What are those steps they can take to start feeling better, even though they're already eating healthy? Oh, that's a big question because there's so many different um, facets to health to look at. But I think even with regards to nutrition, I think a lot of people think they're eating healthy, but might not necessarily be eating the way that their body needs them to eat. So like you could be eating super clean, paleo, or following the autoimmune protocol or whatever, but if your body needs something different, then it's still not going to be what's healthiest for you. So I think even if you think you're eating healthy, it's still worth um, experimenting with your diet and figuring out, you know, maybe you need more of something else or less of something else. Like I am intolerant to bananas. So if I were trying to eat healthy, but eating bananas, that would not go very well for me. Um, so that in itself is worth, worth looking at. And I think the next biggest thing is stress. Stress is the underlying cause for so many health issues. And you can eat as healthy as you want, but if you are overstressed, it is going to take a toll on your body. It causes inflammation. It causes all kinds of chronic diseases. Um, so that's really where I would put the majority of the effort, assuming your diet is exactly where it needs to be. Um, and that's something that I think affected my health negatively also and is probably one of the big reasons that I did experience health issues. I think um, if I had not been pushing myself so hard and working so hard, my body would have been a lot less susceptible to topical steroid withdrawal and it might not have been as bad or I might not have even really experienced it very much. But um, for the year leading up to when I started having health issues, um, I was working 80 to 90 hours a week, driving an extra 10 hours a week, barely sleeping, not socializing with anyone and just stressed out to the max. And that definitely took a toll on my body. Um, so yeah, I think, I think working with a practitioner to try different diets, um, is probably the best first step. Um, because again, like if you have SIBO or something, that's going to like, you can eat as healthy as you want, but if you're eating the wrong things, it's going to mess you up. Um, but then also working with a practitioner to structure your life around reducing stress. I think those are, those are the two big things. Yeah, those are some great first steps. And if you are interested in working with a practitioner, we did have Christina Rice Wellness on the podcast. Yeah, I saw that. She's great. Yeah, yeah so 
she's a great, great practitioner. Um, so I want to talk about health and fitness for college students because okay. that's like the best part, the most exciting. So um, you have an awesome program called Brains and Games, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you're basically an expert on this subject. So what are your best tips for healthy eating in college, especially Ooh. in a dorm or? Yes, best tips for healthy eating. Well, it's okay. So it's going to depend on, you know, what your obligation is when it comes to eating. For me personally, my freshman year, I basically had to eat in, well, I didn't have to eat in the dining hall, but we were all forced to pay to eat in the dining hall. So I wasn't going to like spend double the money to eat outside the dining hall. Um, so navigating the dining hall, I think number one is don't walk in there blind um, and just go for like the first thing that you see. Like if you have a dining hall, you'll probably get to know it after a week or two and you'll know what's available to you. Um, and you can make a plan to prioritize those things. So for me, my freshman year, when I did have to eat at a dining hall, I knew that we had all these great things. Well, we had pizza, but I couldn't, it had gluten in it. So yeah. But we had, we had a bunch of, we had grilled cheese. They had gluten-free grilled cheese. That was amazing. Um, but there was a giant salad bar. So what I would do is when I went in there for dinner, I would make the biggest salad that I possibly could pile on my plate with like literally everything from the salad bar. Um, and then I would go eat that. And then if I was still hungry, I would have French fries or grilled cheese um, or whatever it is that I wanted to eat in addition to that. But usually I found that if I piled literally everything from the salad bar on my plate, it was pretty darn filling. And so I didn't feel the need to indulge in all of those less ideal foods super frequently. And obviously like those things once in a while, totally fine. Um, but getting in that, it's, it's really easy to fall into that habit of having French fries every night or pizza every single night, um, which does start to take a toll on your body eventually. So just prioritizing the things that you know are going to be there. Um, usually there's a source of protein that you can indulge in. There's going to be some amount of veggies um, so go there first, do that. And then if there's anything else that you want, do what you want. Um, and then outside of the dining hall, if you have to cook for yourself, um, I have a whole section about this in my program, Brains and Gates, actually, where I think it's like 18 or 19 tips specifically about how to eat healthy in college. Wow, yeah. um, but I think a lot of people struggle with eating healthy on a budget in college because you know you're usually on a little bit of a more limited budget when you're in college um and so my top recommendation for that is to not worry about all of the fancy labels that just add a lot of money to the cost of food so like yes it's more ideal to eat grass-fed meat as opposed to not grass-fed meat but if that's not in your budget it's still better to eat conventionally raised meat than it is to eat like pop tarts and ramen for dinner. Um, so it's all about perspective. It's all about doing the best that you can with what you have and not letting yourself get in that mindset where like, I can't be perfect. So I might as well not try the best you can do is the best you can do. And that's going to be better than less than that. Yeah, that's so right. Um, also on the topic of meat, do you think that, if someone's in college and they're looking for a healthy diet, I know it's really easy to be pulled 
in like one direction or the other and especially when there's so many extremes out there now there's like carnivore and then mm. there's like the freely banana diet which you would probably not do very well on no 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 so what are your thoughts on that um as far as what like picking as far as a like, diet to stick to yeah picking a diet and also like your thoughts on whether being vegan is healthy or not or <laughs> I know oh boy, opening up a whole know. can of worms um as far as picking a diet I think like I personally don't follow a specific diet. I was following the autoimmune protocol when I was trying to heal my body. So I think if you have health issues or health concerns, then yes, you might want to be a little bit more specific with your diet, but you want to pick a diet that's going to target those health concerns. Um, you don't want to just pick a diet at random because you're like, I have health issues, therefore I should go vegan. I should go paleo. I should go carnivore. Like any of those might be best but you need to find the one that is going to be best. Um, so I think in general, if you aren't trying to heal your body from an issue, um, I kind of, I personally follow just a whole food based diet. Um, I try to just make sure my diet is mostly composed of whole foods. Um, I prioritize protein and vegetables in my meals. And beyond that, I don't really have any sort of restrictions. I think um, as long as you're focusing on the most nutrient dense foods, you're going to have a pretty darn solid diet. And I think in college, that's probably what is most practical as opposed to trying to limit yourself. Um, so again, unless you're limiting yourself for a very like specific health reason, um, there's no point in putting added restrictions on yourself that you don't necessarily need or that your body doesn't need. Um, and then as far as which diet I think is best. Um, I, <laughs> again, I think it, it depends on your health. I do think, I have said in the past that I don't think a vegan diet is an optimal diet. And I mm -hmm. stand by that because in my opinion, any diet that you have to supplement for is not going to be the optimal human diet. It may be optimal for some specific people who like don't do well digesting animal products. Great, like don't eat the animal products then. But if you have to supplement, the diet is clearly missing something. And that's my problem with carnivore as well. Like I also think carnivore can be great for a lot of people. Like clearly so many people have had a lot of success with it. But the, um, what's his name? Carnivore MD, one of the biggest guys in the carnivore space agrees that in order to be healthy on a carnivore diet, you should be fasting a lot, basically. I think I forget exactly what it was, but I think he said you should eat within like a four to six hour window every day. And that's to combat the potential negative side effects of excess protein. And so I think if, if you have to do a prolonged fast every single day for a diet to be healthy, I also don't think that that means it's optimal. But I think everyone lies on that spectrum. For some people, carnivore will be optimal. For some people, vegan will be optimal. And most people are going to be somewhere in between. And that's really where I encourage people to experiment and find the diet that works best for them. If you want to try a month of vegan and then a month of carnivore and see how you respond to both and then narrow it down from there, that's fine. Um, but in general, I just... The dogma of different diets just... It, it makes me so frustrated because 
no one is right and no one is wrong. Everyone can be right for themselves, but there's no one thing that's going to be ideal for all humans. There may be one thing that in general is the middle of the bell curve and is going to overall benefit society the most, but there's still going to be those outliers that would do much better on a different kind of diet. Um, so yeah, I, <laughs> that's my little rant for the day. Um, I, I definitely don't side with any particular diet. I side with finding the diet that works best for your body. I love that approach. And also you touched on before saying that no matter how healthy you're eating, if you're stressed out, like that's going to be what's really impacting your health the most. So unless you have a very specific reason that you need to be going on an extreme diet, like college is not the time to be trying out carnivore if your dining hall like doesn't serve enough good quality meat to support that. Exactly. Or going vegan if your dining hall only has vegan mac and cheese and nothing else. So Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. College, especially if you are stuck with a dining hall, it's so difficult. And yeah, it's going to add a lot of extra stress to try to, try to stick healthfully to any more restrictive diet. Um, so I think unless you have all of the resources available to you, like maybe if you're living at home going to college, then yeah, you can cook whatever you want and you can experiment and do whatever. But if your options are more limited, then don't limit your options even more unless you need to for health reasons. Yeah. And also if you do need to for health reasons, um, I just want to say, I think it's important to make it clear to your college if you do have to have a dining plan mm -hmm. um, like I know that you are celiac so I'm sure that you made sure that your dining hall had options for you right yeah I actually um, I definitely recommend making friends with the people that work at the dining hall um, and the chefs and everything because they can be if, if they know you and you go in and you say hi and you smile at them and you talk to them like real people not just people that are like handing you food um, they're a lot more accommodating and can accommodate special requests and stuff and will make stuff that um, they wouldn't necessarily make otherwise, but can help you with whatever you're trying to do dietarily. Yeah, that's, that's a great tip. And I think that just goes for like anything. If you, yes. <laughs> yeah, like just try to be a nice person to the people who work at your school. And especially now with everything that's going on, like Mm -hmm. This is a tangent, but like just say thank you to the people who are like on the front lines right now. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I also want to talk about fitness. So right now we are all like quarantined, stuck in home, hopefully social distancing. Um, so do you think it's possible to achieve your goals if you can only work out in your dorm or at your apartment or like at home and not at a gym? I definitely think it's possible. I think it's going to be difficult to get like bodybuilder jacked if that's what you want. Um, but other than that, like you can definitely build muscle, lose fat, um, et cetera from home. I think it is a little bit more difficult if you've been training in the gym regularly, because the whole principle of changing your body is progressive overload, which means, um, gradually adding more load to what you are doing. Um, so for example, like if you squat hundred pounds, progressive overload would be squatting 105 pounds the next time. Um, 
and working from home just limits the amount of equipment you have, which makes it more difficult to apply progressive overload. But there are ways around that. Um, and you can definitely do a lot with just body weight. There's plenty of people you can look up online that have amazing physiques doing just body weight work. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it's possible. I think for me, the biggest issue has been motivation just because I was just starting to get back into the gym. I had been working out for like three weeks after taking almost eight or nine months off because of my health issues. And so I had been so stoked and then the gym closed and I just wanted to say, screw it. I'm not going to work out until the gym's open again. But then I realized that the gyms aren't going to be open for a while. So I should probably get into some sort of a routine. Um, so for me, the biggest issue has been motivation, but from what I've been able to do with at-home workouts, they're definitely just as effective. And as long as you're following a decent plan, you can make a lot of progress. Yeah, I think having a plan is also really important for motivation because if you're mm -hmm. going there and winging it, like at least for me, uh, I'm following a plan now, but before I started it, I would just like scroll through my Instagram, like saved looking for workouts and spend all my time doing that instead of actually working out. So. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so much easier to say, no, I'm not going to go do it when you don't know what you're going to do in the first place. But if you have a workout in front of you, or like, I know that Tuesday I am supposed to do this workout, then it's a lot easier to go do that workout rather than waking up and being like, well, I don't have a plan. So I'm just going to sit here and continue to not have a plan. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend either getting an at-home workout program or creating your own plan, um, just so that you have some amount of structure to carry you through to the next day. Yeah, definitely. I think having a plan, especially your plan, is super helpful. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's great advice. Um, and then lastly, I wanted to talk about reverse dieting. So okay. I know that you increased your metabolism before when you were in your reverse diet up to 2,500 calories, mm -hmm. right? So um, I know I have a lot of female listeners, and this is also a little bit of a selfish question because I'm trying to like reverse diet right now too. Mm -hmm. um, but what steps did you take? And um, yeah, just what tips do you have to successfully reverse diet? Yeah, so just a, a brief overview of reverse dieting. It's a process by which you slowly increase your calories while resistance training in order to speed up your metabolism. So when I reverse dieted, I started at 2000 calories roughly for my maintenance. And then over the course of I think about three months increased that to 2500 calories. So every single week, I increased my calorie intake by 50 calories. Um, and I did this in conjunction with resistance training to ensure that those extra calories were going towards building muscle, which helps speed up your metabolism as opposed to just storing it as fat. Um, the thing with reverse dieting is there is many different ways to apply it. Um, so for me, I was just using it to speed up my metabolism because I wanted to be able to eat more because ultimately I wanted to be able to lose fat by eating 2000 calories. I thought that would have been super awesome. Yeah. Um, so for me, the process was just increasing by 50 calories a week and being committed to sticking to it. Um, and then eventually settling at 2,500 calories. But a lot of people need to reverse diet because their metabolism is 
below average or slower than it should be to be able to intake a healthy amount of calories to maintain just a healthy body. Um, so a lot of the clients that I've worked with have been severely under eating um, anywhere from like a thousand calories to 1400 calories a day, depending on their size. Um, and so that process looks a little bit different, especially depending on whether or not they're starting out overweight or underweight. So basically there's, there's a lot of different, <laughs> a lot of different paths um, to take with reverse dieting. But what I've found is that people who are initially overweight and under eating, reverse dieting can actually help them lose weight in the process, even though they're increasing calories, because it's sending the signal to their body that, hey, we actually do have enough nutrition you don't have to be so stressed and hold on to the excess fat that you've been holding on to. Um, you're going to get healthy. And so the body's like, okay. So the body starts actually letting go of the excess stored fat. Um, yeah. I don't know if that answered your question, <laughs> no, that, yeah, that's but it. if you have any other specific questions, let me know. <laughs> I guess um, since like everyone is at home right now and we don't really know when we're going to be released from our mm -hmm. home cells, um, do you think it's possible to reverse diet successfully from home since progressive overload is kind of difficult to achieve? That's a very good question. Um, I think it kind of depends on where you're starting. I think if you're starting out already metabolically very healthy, um, and you're just trying to increase your calories for the heck of it, like I did, um, it's going to be a little bit more difficult because you're already at a good place so your body is not stressed it's not going to respond the same way it's going to respond as though you're just eating excess calories yeah. but if you have a very slow metabolism if you've been eating 600 calories a day to maintain weight a thousand calories a day to maintain weight then you can probably more easily get away with adding back some amount of calories and i definitely would recommend that because it's you you don't want to wait on something like that that's something where you really want to increase your calories as fast as possible to get to a healthy amount um but what i found is that with people like that the body does respond favorably for quite a while until you get to roughly what you quote unquote should be eating um, and at that point, that's when you might start to plateau or start to notice a little bit of weight gain. Um, but yeah, if you're in a deep metabolic hole and not eating enough to be healthy, um, you should increase calories regardless of whether or not it's going to lead to fat gain. Um, but that being said, I do think that you can train well enough at home to be able to at least send the muscle building signal enough to use those excess calories. And the process might be a little bit slower, like you might wanna add 50 calories every other week instead of every week. Um, but it's certainly doable with a good resistance training program. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think it's definitely possible. And yeah, no excuses this quarantine. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so I want to end with a little speed round. So what is your favorite book lately? Oh, goodness. My favorite book. My favorite book. Um, well, I just started listening to, oh, what is it? What is it? Let me check my Audible. I was literally listening to it right before we started podcasting. Hardwiring Happiness um, by Rick Hansen. I'm just starting it, but it's about how the brain 
Um, sorry, this is supposed to be a speed round, but I'm going to speed no, no, it's, okay. it's, it's about how the brain defaults to recognizing negative things that happen to you and dismissing the positive because evolutionarily you'd want to remember like what causes a bad thing to happen so that it doesn't happen to you again. Um, but this book is about kind of rewiring your brain to recognize the positive experiences so that, um, overall your experience with life is more overwhelmingly positive rather than negative. And I, I usually listen to health and fitness books, but I guess this is kind of a health book, but it's a little bit more of a wellness book. And I decided to do that because with the quarantine and everything, it's really easy to get overwhelmed with stress and let all of the negative thoughts just swirl around in your brain. And I figured it'd be a good um, book to read to kind of help combat that. Yeah, that sounds like a great book. And Audible is also a great thing. Sorry, I know this is a speed <laughs> Audible is a great thing for college students if you want to read like mm -hmm. outside of college, right? So. Yeah, definitely. When I was in college, I, again, sorry, speed round. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I would I would walk to camp, walk to and from campus uh, twice a day. So that was like about an hour total of walking. So if I needed to listen to any books or if I needed to read any books, I would just listen to them. Um, and so I got through a lot of material just using like Audible. Yeah, that's a great tool. Yeah. Um, okay, favorite food product? Food product? I mean, I'm drinking kombucha right now and I'm obsessed with it. Does that count? Yeah, that counts. Okay, let's go with kombucha. Amazing. Okay, um, your favorite healthy meal lately? Ooh, favorite healthy meal. I have, for some reason, been obsessed with roasted acorn squash stuffed with like ground meat and vegetables. Um, it's, I wouldn't call it my favorite, but it's something that I've just been defaulting to a lot lately. So I'll go with that. That sounds really good. It is. Um, okay. And then lastly, what does being on your own mean to you? Ooh, that's a very good question. Um, I think it means feeling confident in yourself and in your abilities, but not necessarily without a support group. Um, so knowing that you yourself are capable of taking on life, doing what you need to do, um, but also not being afraid to rely on other people because humans are social creatures. We need social interaction um, to be fully healthy and happy. Um, and so there is no shame in asking for help when you need it. And I think asking for help when you need it is one of the most important things you can do when you are on your own. Because um, most people, you, you don't have to be entirely on your own to still be capable of being on your own. That yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> um, okay, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Why don't you tell all of the listeners where we can find you? Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, youtube.com forward slash misfit and nerdy. I'm Misfit and Nerdy on Instagram and my website where you can find all of my workout programs um, and apply to work with me as a holistic fitness coach is misfitandnerdy.com. Yeah, so she is amazing. She has amazing programs. I can testify. They're so awesome. So definitely check her out. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. This was fun.
Thank you so much for listening to the On My Own podcast. I hope this episode was helpful for you. If you did enjoy this episode, please make sure to leave a rating and a review on the iTunes app. It really helps the podcast grow. It helps us get recommended so that we can get more guests on the podcast. If you have any specific episode requests or if you have guest requests or even if you would like to be on the podcast yourself and you have an interesting story you'd like to share, please DM me at the On My Own Podcast Instagram page, which is at On My Own Pod. If you'd like to follow Sasha's Plate, my personal health and wellness Instagram, you can do that at sashas.plate. And for blog posts and for the show notes of this episode in more detail, go to Simply Sasha, S-I-M-P-L-Y, S-A-C-I-A dot com, where you can find blog posts, recipes, and all the episode show notes. Thank you guys again so much for watching, and I will be in your ears next episode.